Well, last week, the United Nations adopted a resolution calling for improved human rights conditions in North Korea. If this resolution is adopted, it will be the 16th resolution of its kind since way back in 2005. This also marks the second consecutive year that South Korea did not co-sponsor the resolution, but offered its unanimous consent. So to this end, the uh, UN envoy on North Korea actually criticized South Korea for opting out of a co-sponsorship, saying it sent the reclusive regime, quote, the wrong signal. He also asked it to be more vocal and outspoken about North Korean human rights issues in the future. So to give us more analysis on this, uh, we're pleased to be joined by the former foreign correspondent and research fellow at Korea Peninsula Future Forum, a think tank that studies models for the future unification of North and South Korea. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. So um, start us off. uh, Can you just go over the events that occurred at the UN? Well, yes. um, The UN Human Rights Council, as it does uh, almost every year, uh, uh, adopted a resolution, as you just uh, mentioned, Uh, condemning uh, North Korea's um, human rights abuses, which includes um, uh, public executions, arbitrary detentions, torture, and forced labor. Um, It further stated that human rights abuses may increase under the current threat of COVID-19. And uh, as you well know, this bill will likely pass the UN General Assembly next month. Um, The UN has repeatedly called out North Korea uh, regarding these said violations. And this year's bill, drafted by the European Union, addressed the issue uh, and recommended its Security Council to refer the matter to the International Criminal Court. Um, The US, Canada, Japan and Germany are some of the uh, 58 nations that sponsored the document, and uh, South Korea was not among those uh, uh, that sponsored the bill. Um, And as it does every year, North Korea again protested the resolution, saying that there were no such human rights abuses Mm -hmm. in the communist state. Uh, Kim Song, the uh, chief of the North Korean mission to the UN, claimed that the bill was a political plot that has nothing to do with the promotion and protection of human rights, and that these accusations were based on false testimonies by human, so-called, uh, what he called human trash North Korean defectors uh, wo- uh, woven together mm. by enemy states. And uh, in the past, South Korea took part in sponsoring the bill. That was between 2008 and 2018 during the uh, Lee Myung-bak and Park Geun-hye administrations, as well as the uh, first two years of the Moon Jae-in administration. However, this year and last year, South Korea opted out to distance distance itself from the resolution, claiming that while it still had an unwavering concern about such atrocities, uh, its decision was based on a set of circumstances in and around the Korean peninsula. Mm And as you rightly pointed out, the UN envoy on uh, human rights on North Korea, Thomas Ohea Quintana, 
repeatedly slammed South Korea's stance on North Korea. Um, and he pointed out that this was, uh, this was extremely um, bizarre, given that uh, the uh, recent uh, shooting of a South Korean civil servant that occurred in the waters between uh, North Korea and South Korea were Uh, certainly alarming at best. Uh, We should note that the three consecutive summits and meeting between uh, President Moon Jae-in and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un were held in 2018 and had uh, inspired hopes of a speedy reconciliation between the two Koreas. And woven into all of this are the uh, complicated calculations by all the uh, states involved in this. Could you explain the politics of these uh, human rights accusations? Of course. um, uh, The U.S. and its Western uh, uh, Asian and Asian allies had repeatedly used the U.N. as a staging ground to to turn on um, political pressure uh, on North Korea by pointing out its rights abuses. And uh, while human rights should not be a subject and should never be a subject that is weighed and valued according to circumstances or political um, uh, leanings or climate, um, this has sadly been the case, especially regarding North Korean human rights. Um, There is clear evidence of such violations as recorded by um, Amnesty International, um, Human Rights Watch and and countless other NGO groups, think tanks. Um, And and since information is closely guarded within the isolationist state, they uh, had to rely on personal accounts uh, by defectors um, and uh, as well as private satellite images. Mm. Um, uh, There is is an NGO group that actually um, analyzes high-definition images taken by these satellite images, uh, especially around uh, concentration camps and uh, prison, uh, political prisons in North Korea, trying to determine the number of Um, plots uh, on on, on grave sites uh, to infer the current situation within these gulags. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do you remember three years ago when uh, President Trump visited Seoul and he gave that speech at the National Assembly? Mm -hmm. He too uh, slammed North Korea on its human rights violations, saying that an estimated 100,000 North Koreans suffer in Gulags toiling in forced labor and enduring torture, starvation, rape and murder on a constant basis. That's what he said. Um, But uh, come the following year in in 2018, such concerns took a back seat amid his summits uh, in Hanoi, in Singapore and Hanoi with uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. So... Uh, This is not just a political climate, a a subject that is uh, weighed not just in South Korea, but also in the U.S. and other nations as well. Right. And uh, similarly, uh, Trump has been uh, criticized for perhaps uh, 
shoving aside some of the human rights concerns in China because of his personal relationship with Xi Jinping, uh, there there seems to be a signal that the incoming Biden administration will be very different in how they approach all of those issues of human rights. Indeed, um, human rights will likely be among the top to-do list for the incoming administration. Um, uh, His administration is likely to concentrate on making America decent again, um, trying to mend its tattered ties with uh, European allies, as well as its alliances with East Asian nations. Um, And um, Biden has his work cut out for him. He he has to rebuild uh, U.S. credibility uh, to champion human rights again. Um, This will likely begin with uh, the U.S. rejoining organizations such as um, the U.N. Human Rights Council, from which it stormed out of in in 2018, um, as well as the Paris Accord on Climate Change and resuming funding for the World Health Organization, uh, which which it cut out uh, at the height of uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. And the U.S. will be tasked with revising the Iran nuclear deal, rebuilding relations with NATO, and discussing trade agreements with partner nations. So there's a lot of things to do that the Biden administration has to tackle once it comes into office in January. Uh, And the U.S. return will also likely balance out the overwhelming power of China Uh, over these groups, uh, which has been prevalent since the U.S. uh, market absence uh, in recent years in the international arena. Um, And, uh, of course, the U.S. will likely choose human rights as a cause to champion uh, as part of its return to the international stage. Right. And and part of this is going to be uh, what uh, uh, will be comprised with his uh, uh, national security and foreign policy Team, there are various uh, um, interpretations of what uh, this may uh, lead to. Um, talk about uh, his uh, foreign policy, his uh, top diplomats. Oh, oh sure. Um, Biden's picks for uh, key positions, as announced earlier this week and last week, uh, seem to paint this very, very pic- uh, this picture as uh, very clearly. Uh, his longtime aide Tony Blinken uh, was uh, picked as the next uh, Secretary of State. Um, Jake Sullivan uh, is to uh, head the nation uh, is to be the National Security Advisor. And longtime Foreign Service Officer Linda Thomas-Greenfield is actually uh, uh, chosen to be the U.S. ambassador to Mm -hmm. the U.N. Um, And uh, this is just uh, a guesstimate, a guess, but uh, Michelle Florney, a former Undersecretary of Defense for uh, Policy during the Obama administration, will likely uh, serve as the Defense Secretary. Now, these four have... Uh, have been uh, working with each other uh, very closely ever since the Obama administration. Um, And uh, their hands-on experience will help mitigate what will likely be the fallout from the global pandemic, as well as uh, tackle international relations and conflicts during the incoming administration. Um, And... uh, 
we have seen that these are pragmatists rather than ideolo- ideologists and th- uh, that share a, a common view. And they're well-versed on matters involving North Korea as well as around the world. Um, and, uh, but we have to remember that Tony Blinken is regarded as a hardliner. Um, while Biden called uh, North Korean leader uh, Kim Jong-un a thug, Blinken often dubbed Kim as one of the worst tyrants. Uh, he has been a vocal supporter of sanctions on North Korea, critical of its human rights violations, and has urged South Korea and uh, Japan to join with the U.S. in putting pressure on uh, North Korea and China. Now, he's the key architect of Biden's foreign policy um, since his days as deputy state secretary. Uh, he's been unwavering in such a stance. Um, in other words, a putting maximum pressure on North Korea to, um, to bring or coerce North Korea back to the negotiating table, as is in the, ca- as in the case of Iran. Um, and uh, this involves um, uh, economic sanctions to compel North Korea to reach some sort of an agreement regarding the denuclearization on the peninsula, as well as addressing human rights issues. And he's been very vocal about this. He talked about it while he was in Seoul back in 2015, Um, and uh, he's been discussing the matter with uh, the then uh, Imyong Bak administration as well as the Pakunay administration uh, continuously regarding these issues. Um, and uh, regarding uh, Jake Sullivan, well, he repeatedly pointed out uh, North Korea's tendencies not to make good on past. Promises. Now, that was during uh, the uh, summit uh, between uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un in Hanoi and in Singapore. Uh, Thomas Greenfield, now, she has constantly addressed the issue of human rights while she served as Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs during the second Obama administration. And she will continue to do so while serving as UN ambassador. Um, And some expect uh, the Biden administration will appoint a special envoy on uh, North Korean human rights issues, a position that was vacant during the Trump administration. Um, Previous envoys include uh, Jay Lefkowitz during the Bush administration and Robert R. King during the uh, two Obama administrations. And um, talk about then the uh, expectations we will have as far as how the sanctions regime may change. Well, um, to put it uh, frankly, I think it is going to be very, very stringent. It's going to be stern. Uh, um, the Biden administration will likely enlist tougher sanctions uh, once it takes office in January. Um, uh, and uh, it will possibly broach the subject of resuming Uh, milita- joint military exercises with South Korea um, following uh, the suspension of the drills um, since 2018. Um, and also, of course, address hu- North Korea's human rights issues. Um, a- and this, was, this will be a part of the strategy regarding the East Asian region. 
Uh, it will likely look to alliances uh, to, to shore up support within the UN as well as uh, uh, to, to, to uh, try and convince China to get on board with this program. Um, the State Department isn't even waiting for the administration to, to change hands now. It announced this week that it is offering $3 million in grants to organizations focusing on human rights in North Korea. And uh, according to a notice given by the State, Sec- uh, uh, State Department, projects should aim to have an impact that leads to democratic reforms and should have the potential for sustainability beyond the State Department's Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights and Labor. Now, uh, this is alarming. <laughs> this may be alarming for, for North Korea, as well as uh, people concerned with a regime change uh, in North Korea. Um, Uh, the U.S. Treasury also this week imposed additional sanctions on two organizations, um, a Russian construction company and a North Korean trading company operating in Russia charged with exporting forced labor. Now, this is part of the uh, um, uh, uh, human rights violations that we uh, talked about earlier. And got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, maybe final thoughts on how uh, this will be approached by the uh, Moon Jae-in administration? Well, um, this is definitely going to be a thorny issue uh, because uh, uh, Moon Jae- the Moon Jae-in administration um, Uh, as well as President Moon himself, who is a former human rights lawyer, uh, he's been uh, facing mounting criticism for his lack of commitment and uh, on the human rights issue. Um, and, um, well, uh, the UN has urged South Korea to take the initiative in protecting Uh, defectors as well. Now, currently there are 300, uh, sorry, 33,000 uh, North Korean defectors living in South Korea. And uh, South Korea has been uh, facing the challenge of uh, taking care of these refugees. Um, and, but these defectors, some of these defectors have been opting to leave South Korea for another country um, because uh, uh, they face discrimination. contempt, uh, and outright indifference. Um, uh, often ha- they often have difficulty in adjusting to life in the uh, capitalist economy. So South Korea has to take care of human rights issues at home, as well as deal with an incoming administration in Washington. Yeah, so uh, obviously, uh, certainly... stands to be a very challenging uh, next few years uh, in light of uh, what the entire world is really focused on, which is the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, as things settle there, uh, certainly a a lot of these pressing issues, including North Korean policy, uh, will be at the forefront. All right, uh, we will leave it there. Uh, Kui Jin, thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Henry. We're moving on to part four of the program. I got a couple segments uh, left to go before we head into the weekend. And we're going to have one last check of traffic and weather.